0: We're opening your word.
1: Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts now to your word in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 49, verse 28. All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is that that their fathers spake unto them and blessed them, every one according to his blessing. He blessed them, and he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, where which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Okay, now... Remember in our last study we came to this this uh, really concluding statement here of Jacob and he was blessing his his, his children when it says in verse twenty eight that and these are these are and all these is what it says all these are the twelve tribes of Israel and this is that their their father spake unto them it's it's a, it's it's a kind of a final look over it and and where it, you know it's it, it's like a sense of accomplishment you can feel that where you can feel that Jacob here is saying there. Now I've done it. I blessed all my sons. I did it. I did it with God's help, but I did it. And so with that last statement there in verse 28, where he's saying the word, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, we've also been brought as we've gone through this chapter to look at each one of the sons individually, to look at them as a whole. And from what Jacob said to each one, we've seen that some of the sons, like Joseph, they were living for God. And some of the sons, like Reuben, well, they had a ways to come before they live for God. But verse 28 just draws them all together as the 12 sons when it says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the sons of Jacob. These are the sons that God has promised through their seed, he's going to use them to save the world. Quite something to write on a resume. But after we've seen their condition here, and and, and of course in the book of Genesis, and after having, and, and me now just returning now from Israel and having been among the outcropping of the 12 tribes and meeting so many Israeli atheists in Israel, one point comes back to me, and that is God sure has a lot of work to do (laughs) to make them ready to be used to save the world. I mean, one Israeli I was speaking to, and he said to me as I was talking about the Lord Jesus, he said, oh, he says, my rabbi has told me that that's a very dangerous person, that you shouldn't talk to him, uh, talk about him. And so, well, what do you do with a situation like this? What does God do with a situation like this? These are God's people who are saying this about, about the Lord. Well, what he's going to do, what God said he's going to do is in Ezekiel 20, verse 38. In Ezekiel 20, verse 38, God says, I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me, and I'll bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord. Now, every time, it's, you know, it's, God says, I'm going to purge them out, and then what's going to happen is you're going to know that I am the Lord. That's when I was talking to this person. I was saying, you know, yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. That's fine. But Jesus is God. He's God. And that's when he said, oh, no. And so when every time you read this in the Bible where God said, you shall know that I am the Lord. You got a picture, that's Jehovah Jesus speaking, and that means that they're all gonna come to know that Jesus is God. This is the hardest obstacle for a Jewish person to get over. It's the hardest person. It reminds me of a letter I received this week from a Jewish woman, and she had 17 questions that she said have plagued her for years. That's her words. And she's trying to reach a solid understanding in conclusion of Jesus. That's what she said. And one of her, one of her questions in which she wrote, she said, I have such a hard time with Jesus being God. As it says in Romans eleven twenty six, 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer that shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Otherwise spoken, that shall purge out the rebels from among them. And then all Israel is gonna be saved. And that's gonna be when Ezekiel 20, 30 verse 28 comes about, when it says, you shall know that I am the Lord. All the Jewish people that are gonna be alive at that time are gonna be saved. And all of them in the future then, at that point, they'll all know that Jesus is God. And I won't have these conversations where they said the rabbi says this is a dangerous person. But it's kind of amazing when you look at verse, uh, you look at this chapter 49 here, and you look at at Israel in its infancy. It was just its infancy. And how thousands of years later, literally, thousands of years later, not one tribe was lost. But that in the last of the last days, when all the tribes are going to be represented, present and represented in the 144,000, where there'll be 12,000 from each tribe. And that's given to us in Revelation 7:4. Revelation 7:4 tells us that when it says that, that, that John heard the number of them that are gonna be sealed. There were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So Jehovah Jesus, at this point, thousands of years are gonna go forward. Not one tribe's gonna be lost. Came close with Benjamin, but not one tribe. So each tribe is represented on the breastplate of the high priest with a particular stone. It's a particular stone. Not as, they're all different stones representing, they're all different personalities, all different individuals, and each one of them is represented on the breastplate of the high priest in the temple and tabernacle, and on the shoulders of the high priest in the temple and then in the tabernacle. And that was given in Exodus 28, 12, and you gotta think about this, when you see these see these people, in this chapter, in their great need, and then with that in mind, you read Exodus twenty-eight twelve, where it says, "Thou shalt put two stones upon the stones of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for memorial." And then, and then dropping down in that chapter, Exodus 28:29 28, 29, 28, 29, it says, "And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart." upon his heart when he goeth into the to the holy place for a memorial before the lord continually so the lord jesus he he comes to earth he comes to earth jehovah jesus comes to earth and he speaks about these tribes of israel and he calls them something remarkable in matthew 15:24 matthew 15:24 when he answered and said i am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel he called these 12 tribes of israel the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That means that the high priest had over his heart and on his shoulders the memorials for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It wasn't like, you know, they're they're, they're perfect, they're serving God, no, they're lost. And that's what God wants to see in our lives. He wants to see in our lives uh, for the lost people that we know, the lost souls that we know. God wants us to carry those lost on our hearts, over our hearts, just like the high priest did and and to remember them before the Lord. That's our responsibility. There's responsibility that we have for the loss that God puts into our lives. We have a responsibility to care for them, to pray for them, and to tell them that Jesus is their way, their only way to God, their only truth, their only life to God. And so on this trip, I got to spend a lot of time with my, with my Jewish atheist friends. I have a lot of Jewish atheist friends. And I asked him, I asked him at this point where we were together a couple days, I said, you know, is there anyone in your life that talks to you like I do? You know, is there anyone that, in your life that talks to you about Jesus? And, and he said, certainly not, is what he said. <laughs> he formed an atheist church, you know, so anyway. He said, certainly not. And I replied back to them, well, meet your ambassador from God. And I've got a message to God from God to you. It's a message of love and an offer of reconciliation to God. Now, we come to verse 29, where Jacob is now dying. And he says in verse 29, he charged them and said unto them, I'm to be gathered unto my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave. It's in the field of Ephron, the Hittite. Now, we, we get to see in several things in this verse. But one of the things we get to see is how Jacob views death. And this is interesting for us when we think about how Jacob looks at death and compare it with how people view death today. So, well, you know, one night on this trip, uh, again, I was with my, the, that friend of mine in, in London, my Jewish atheist friend in London, and we had some great conversations together about, about the end of life. He's, he's 88. And w- when I talked about God and heaven and hell, he just told me, he says, you know, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that there's a God. I don't believe in heaven, and I don't believe in hell. In fact, he he said, I'm surprised to hear that you believe in hell because God is so loving, and and how can you believe in hell? And I told him, I said, well, because God said there was a hell. And, and in fact, the Lord Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. So anyway, so at the end of this, this time, the, our dinner to you, Then the the Uber taxi got lost looking for us. You know, we're watching him on the phone where he is. No, he's not here. Oh, you know. And so all of a sudden he blurts out, oh my God, like that. And I turned him, looked him right in the eye and I said, really? (laughs) I said, really? Oh my God, really? (laughs) I said, oh my God, does not sound like an atheist? Anyway, and, and, and then the Uber taxi got lost again. And, and he got lost again. And then he said, Oh, Jesus. And I said, Very good. Very good. You're making progress. You're calling on the name of Jesus. And you need to get that for salvation. You'll be there. So it was interesting when, when he told me, we were talking about, he told me that he believes that when you die, that's it. You just stop existing. And, and, and then he, he was, he was telling me that. And then he said, Really? As we were talking a lot. He said, really, you have hope. I really don't have hope. So he said, and w- what, I, what I want is that my, when I die, that my family will grieve for me for about a month, he says, and then they'll get over it, they'll stop grieving, and then they'll just have good thoughts about me and my life. Well, he called that no hope. He called that no hope. Now, many people view, that, view life and death that way. They have a view of death as it's the end of the road, and there's nothing left. It's just a finish of existence, you know, it's the when you're dead, you're dead uh, uh, view. Well, verse 28, this is what makes it so interesting about Jacob, his, his forefather. But Jacob, it shows the father of the Jewish people that Jacob didn't have that view of death. He didn't have this view that death was the end of the road for existence when he said in verse 28, I am to be gathered unto my people. And then many people today, they fear death. They're really afraid of death. They're afraid of death and they look, you know, you know, they think about death and they say, you know, keep the morphine on hand so I don't have to face, you know, what, 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 what they don't know was going to, might happen to them. Well, this wasn't Jacob at all. What we see of Jacob's statement here in verse 28 is he's not only not afraid of death, he's overcome his fears. He's overcome his fears of death and he's now, he's looking at death squarely in the face, Jacob is, and he's kind of like come face to face with death. And it's like you can almost hear Jacob would say the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He would say, "Oh death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So, so in his life, Jacob has now, come, has now come to Jehovah Jesus, who is described in Isaiah 25, 8, Isaiah 25, 8, where it says about him, about the Lord Jesus, he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord will wipe away tears from all all faces. Now, and, and, and then there are many people who speak about death in the context of they really don't know. They really don't know what's gonna happen to them when they die, and Jacob is not in this boat either. As a matter of fact, there's a great sense of anticipation with Jacob. He's actually looking forward to death here when he says, you know, it's not a state of, I don't know what's gonna happen to me when I die. No, that's not him. He knows exactly what's gonna happen to him when he dies, and he, he says, I'm going to be gathered to my people. And he's telling everybody that. You know, he's going to be gathered to his people, you know, as he's coming up to death. Reminds me of Cheryl, you know, when she went, when we went into the emergency room at Grossmont Hospital. And she knew more than the doctors did. She knew more than we did because she said, I'm going to die. Hadn't even drawn any blood from her at that point. She said, I'm going to die. But then she says, but I want you all to know I have eternal life. So don't, you know, you don't have to do with the chemo and all that. You know, we said, well, yeah, we know you have eternal life, but you know, we don't really want you to go. So anyway. But um, but this was the case with Jacob. He's like announcing to everybody, I am going to be gathered to my people. That's gonna to happen to me. And when Jacob was gonna be gathered to his people, that was very important. It's very important. As believers, we all became, when we were saved, a part of the people of God, a part of the people of God. As it says in 1 Peter 2:9. First Peter 2-9 says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, just think of this. He's talking about believers, and he says, you are the people of God, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which which had not obtained mercy, now you have obtained mercy." So as the people of God, we want to be with the people of God. Even if it means like it did for Moses, you got to suffer. When it says in Hebrews 11:24, Hebrews 11:24, when it says by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Church should never be, for anyone, for any believer, should never be something that we have to do. But it should be something that we want to do. You know what's sad? It's sad to see believers not want to come to church, not want to be with the people of God. That's why we're told in Hebrews 10.25, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what it's saying there in Hebrews 10.25, Hebrews 10.25 is that we're not to forsake church, the assembling of ourselves together. And when the verse goes on to say that we need to exhort one another, what it's talking about there is, is an application of that is to encourage fellow believers, come to church, come to church, be part of the, of the people of God. It's important that we're gonna, that we do this. We're gonna be together, like it or not. We're gonna be together for eternity. <laughs> but in what God calls something special for the people of God in Hebrews 4-9, Hebrews 4-9, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, the people of God. Great, great phrase, the people of God. The people of God is what Jacob is talking about in verse 28 when he's to be gathered with his people. So what a great way, what a wonderful way to view death not as the end of the road but as the beginning of the road where the, where the, where the road starts new adventures with the people of god well this was the hope that that god held out to abraham when when god told abraham in in genesis 15:15 15, 15, genesis fifteen fifteen when he said to abraham thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and be buried in a good a good old age now, that was the first time in the Bible, by the way, that it's referencing here being buried at death. And God promised Abraham that he would at death be gathered to his fathers in peace. So with Abraham, he's now described as being gathered to the, to the people of God. And since Abraham is known as the father of faith, that means the, the people of God are, are the people of faith. And for the, for the believer, the people of God are believers, are people who have fellow faith. And, and if family members are believers, they're part of the people of God. But if family members are not believers, they're not part of the people of God. So that meant that, that, that there were, when, when God told this to Abraham, so you can be gathered to your fathers, that meant that there were believers before Abraham, like Noah, for example. So it shows that our real family are believers, are believers. So when, when Abraham did die, then his, life, his, his death was described like that in Genesis 25.8. Genesis 25.8, where it says, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died a good old age, an old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people, and then he was buried. So Abraham's body died while Abraham was gathered to his people. So this description of death, of, of being gathered to the people of God that are in faith, was part of Abraham's life, was part of Isaac's life, when it says in, in Genesis thirty five twenty nine Genesis thirty five twenty nine Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days, and his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. It's a very important sequence there. A very important sequence in that description of what happens to the moment of death. Very important. So, well, you know, and for example, a little, little kid comes up to you and asks you, what happens when you die? Um, you know, you know. The kids always have these great questions. Who is God and where, where is heaven? What happens to you when you die? So the answer for the believer for the believer, is, first, there's a final breath. That's what the Bible calls uh, uh, giving up the ghost. That's what's called in medical terms, the apnea of death. And It's this gasping. And then there's the final breath. That's giving up the ghost. Second, there's the death of the body. Obviously, the oxygen stops, the body dies. But third, in this sequence that's described for Isaac here, there is this gathering to the people of God, gathering to the people. And then last, there is this burial. Now, I, you know, I, and, and I know when people, you know, go to a funeral home or something like that, and they want to know, well, you know, where, where they're, they're asking where the corpse is, you know, they, anyways. And, and, and it says but they put it in terms of where is he? You know, <laughs> which room is he in? Well, the truth is he's not here. But it says, really, after death, the person is not there. So but but so we have this one, two, three, four sequence, which is laid out. First, last breath. Second, body dies. Third, person is gathered to his people. Fourth, burial. That's the sequence. That's the sequence of what happens. That's the one, two, three, four sequence. And just as sure as the last breath of death and the, and the death of the body, there is the gathering to the people. No doubt about it no doubt about it. And notice this, and so the sequence is like that. Okay, so by the time he was buried, Isaac was buried, for example, he was already gathered to his people, just like it says in 2 Corinthians 5a. 2 Corinthians 5 we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord, as a present from the Lord. Okay, now for the next four verses, Jacob here is going to spend his time commanding his sons to bury him in Canaan.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
2: Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration only $99 includes a 2-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619 619- 599-1104, 1104 or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join
0: Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org.
2: Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.